Hello and welcome to the Zwift, the SBS podcast. As the days get longer, I'm looking forward to riding the roads again, but I couldn't be happier with the work I've put in on Zwift over the winter to keep in shape. Having completed so many of their Fun is Fast event series, I know that when I venture back out onto the road again, I'm ready to climb mountains, push through fondos, and speed through intervals. And the workouts, they're all still available. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, well... Welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is, of course, Dave McKenzie. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, I feel like I'm on the Camino. Yeah. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I've been walking for six weeks. It takes about six weeks, the sort of standard walk that you do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, couch, the Camino finishes in Santiago de Compostela. Mm -hmm. It's a holy walk if you like so i feel like my feet are getting a bit achy but i can i can see it on the horizon i can see the coastline we're nearly do there do not wish this away do i know you keep saying that we're going to miss it not mate, next week maybe not next week we might not I've miss each other 75 days with you this year you're a good bloke but i know, I know just, but we might know. not miss each other next week but maybe the week after oh. only one week you reckon <laughs> on. i'm I, good i'm yeah. good i'm ready okay, to go he's good uh, joining us is simon garens how are you Gero? evening gentlemen i'm really well so, what a stage yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It was going to be uh, the Queen stage. Uh, I actually thought, and that's a question we can actually debate, the day before mm, probably was a stage more Queen than, than the one yesterday. But yesterday, I mean, quite a good display altogether. Two, two, we've had, I mean, we've actually <laughs> had three weeks of amazing racing. Yeah. And, um, Gero, I think uh, the last two days are especially, and the Vuelta, of course, you did the Vuelta. You had success there yourself. Um, it's, it is it is literally a frenetic race. And this year has been off the charts. Like the last four or five days, in the first hour of every stage, they've averaged over 50 kilometres per hour. It's almost unheard of. Well, the Vuelta never disappoints. It's always one of the most exciting races of the year to race. It's dynamic. There's just guys in there that really want to salvage the season. There are guys that are chasing contracts. Um, and there's never short of attacks and, you know, exciting racing at the Vuelta. And if you look back over the last two stages, you kind of go, like you said, it's hard to say which is the, which is the queen stage. And I think one sort of standout point is when you have the best guys in the race, literally duking it out for the stage win and trying to claim places on GC. It, it always really makes those stages really stand out. But with last night's stage to finish up a 14-kilometre climb at nearly 10% average, that's just brutal. Yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty rude of them, actually, uh, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. Uh, Maka, take us through uh, some of the highlights of the stage last night. Yeah, well, look, this man here, Michael Storer, what a season he is having. We will debrief more on him in a moment but de la cruz from uae the spaniard he went out after michael stora he caught him stora had been on a almost 60 kilometer break into marche they have earned their place in the world yeah. tour massively this uh three-week journey attacks came and in the end lopez i always expected him to go on the attack sep course tried to um keep him within sort of range but look at this climb look at it it was two meters wide at one point and at the end 
We're still getting confirmation <laughs> that he that it was actually him who crossed the line in first place. We're not quite sure. There he is there crossing the line. <laughs> there's a motorbike. That's yeah, for there's sure. a motorbike. And there's a looks like a cyclo uh, tourist. Um, but Primoz Roglic, he was rock solid. Yes. He, he actually gained more time, a few seconds on all of his rivals, and except this man here, uh, Lopez. And incidentally, Lopez uh, winning the stage and, you know, by a few seconds. But how important, Gero, Lopez winning, the, the boss of Movistar, uh, or the company that owns Movistar, was in the team car. It cannot be um, understated how important it is to win. And you've been in this position with Green Edge, with Jerry Ryan, when they turn up and how much of a difference that can make to potentially, you know, contracts, sponsorship dollars being re-signed just because of that moment. Well, can you imagine the pressure on those guys as well with only five left in the race? Obviously, they've got second and third on, on GC at the moment. But for the other three guys, they had to really step up to the mark. And I think they did that exceptionally well yesterday. So the, the whole team, not just Lopez, really rose to the occasion of having the big boss of Movistar in the team car. So it's really good to see. But I imagine the, uh, the, the, the team meeting would have been very animated leading into yesterday's stage for Movistar. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. uh, let's talk about uh, this man here. So Miguel Angel Lopez. Uh, what do we know of him in this race? Can he challenge up to the to the finish line? Uh, no, look, brilliant win. And look, I love the way he races. He's a real animator, isn't he, Gero? And he's a real racer. He doesn't hold back. And he actually jumped 4.3 kilometers mm-hmm. around from the finish. So he... He actually took a bit of a risk because if it had a backfired, he might have actually got caught and dropped, but he was obviously feeling good. He's not going to produce, I don't think, Gero, a great TT. And unfortunately for him, it finishes with a TT. So I think he's going to stay where he is or he may even lose a place. What do, what do you reckon? Yeah, I th- he's got a pretty good buffer going into this TT and he's obviously in blistering form. No big surprise to see Miguel Angel Lopez really perform on such a tough finish to the line. I remember him winning a stage in the Tour de France there a couple of years ago at really high altitude. And it wasn't very high altitude yesterday. I think it finished about 1,800 metres. So that uh, that sort of background coming from Colombia, growing up in a high altitude environment, didn't really play into his favour. But Miguel Angel Lopez, he'd be sort of 59 kilos ringing wet. So you kind of think that power to weight really plays to to his advantage in a, in a stage like yesterday. So to jump away with four kilometres to go and at that sort of, you know, at that sort of gradient, you're kind of looking at probably, you know, nearly 20 minutes of, of climbing still to go. Um, it's a big call. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and actually, Gil, what do you make of the importance of mass as well being here with him in that GC battle? Uh, what's the, you know, it's a two-prone attack and, and it's still really unclear who's the leader or Miguel Angel Lopez is the leader and Mass is here to disturb or disrupt a little bit? No, I think at this stage, they're probably quite well aware that they're not going to be Primoz Roglic for, for the general classification, for the overall title. So they need to consolidate their places on the podium and go for stage wins. And that's precisely uh, what they're doing there. I think when you look at the two riders, um, on paper, Mass is probably the more complete GC rider because he is a, he's a competent time trialist as well, whereas Lopez, it's his big flaw, uh, losing time in, in time trials. So I think if you were to put the two together there, you would go with, with Mass as, as your team leader. And then Lopez, if he's on an absolute exceptional day in the mountains, sure, he can, he can grab some time back. But very difficult to pull a lot of time out of teams like 
uh, but we're in victorious who are riding exceptionally well and obviously the, the powerhouse team in this race in Yamba Visma. Yeah. Uh, actually, Gerard, can I just ask you a question on uh, Jack Haig and Bayran, and more so the squad? What did you think of their tactics last night? Because they went to the front really early on. They were the ones really driving it. Movistar, as you pointed out, they helped them through the valley uh, towards the base of the climb, but Bayran Victorious did a lot of the work. Jack rode well, but he wasn't able to attack. He really just had to try and follow the wheels. Do you think they overdid it as a team? Well, it's interesting that they would really lay it on the line on a stage like that because, like you said, it's a, it's a stage where and a finish where Jack Haig, he is just really surviving against the very lightweight climbers on a, on a tough finish for like that. So you look at all the stage finishes, yesterday was probably the one that suited Jack the least. So it's interesting to see that his team is going to apply pressure and try and potentially put Jack under a bit of fatigue throughout the stage um, leading into such a, such a tough, tough summit finish. If anything, you kind of think that they want to sit back and make the stage as easy as possible for him, so he can get up that that final climb uh, as fresh as possible with the with the pure climbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, I thought they, I thought they overdid it. You know, uh, yeah. he, look in the end, it all worked out. He, he lost a few seconds, but he still did a great job. Yeah, hundred percent. But we always knew that uh, Miguel Angel Lopez was going to be the one probably firing up mm. uh, in this last climb. Before we we uh, we talk to to Seb Kuss on this uh, on this actual point, uh, the quality of the road. I was expecting concrete. I was expecting potholes. You know what? Yeah, watched, the whole thing. I watched on um, I, I watched on YouTube. Kino and I watched on YouTube. Uh, I think one of the Vuelta sites. Uh, Delgado did a recon, yeah. and in the recon it was horrible. And <laughs> they've they've resurfaced some of it since the recon. Yeah. I'm talking absolutely. It looked beautiful, rough as rough <laughs> concrete, like literally, like they've just let it. I know. let the slab down and not even smoothed it out. But they fixed it. Yeah, they fixed it. Absolutely yeah. so disappointing. <laughs> I was disappointed. I was waiting for you know. You told me. I know. We kept talking it up, and then it never eventuated. Uh, uh, right on my face. <laughs> right. Uh, let's listen to Seb Kurs. He talks about how they were expecting Miguel Angel Lopez. Seb, how was it when uh, Miguel Angel attacked? Was it some panic, or was it about controlling the the, the advantage? Uh, not so much panic. He's not an immediate threat. Um, but yeah, you you can't just let him ride away. Uh, so uh, he's just trying to ride a, a steady pace, and I knew that uh, there would be more attacks in the last kilometers, so then the, then the speed would go up again. So I just tried to uh, keep the gap uh, in, in check. Everything was under control all the time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good day. That little swag with the little wink. No pressure. End, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> under control? Yeah, it was under control. <laughs> I mean... They'd be feeling pretty, pretty confident, Simon. I mean, that was the last big mountain stage. A couple of big days to go, but Sepp, of course, he's, uh, I was about to say underrated. He's not underrated because we're talking about him and we rate him, but that team, they're pretty super, aren't they? Oh, they're exceptional. And I think if you look at the way that team has really developed as, as a GC team, again, over the past few years, they're they're just getting better and better and they're learning from their mistakes and they're racing with more and more confidence. The fact that Primoz Roglic had the had the lead of the race early on and they were happy to let it go on a couple of occasions knowing that their team leader was good enough that he was going to be able to get it back in what is a, a very tough third week of racing. Um, I think you can only sort of tip your hat to, to Jumbo Visma and how they've attacked this welter. Yeah. But the expectation yesterday, and you guys mentioned it in the coverage as well, is Sepkos could have won that stage yesterday given by Primoz Roglic saying hey you've done so much work 
let's go and see if you can win this stage and it didn't work out this way. No, that, no, I think he yeah, he had a he had a chance potentially, whether or not he could have gone with Lopez, I'm not so sure now. But um look the fact that he, he just played that super domestique role yep. and you know, sacrificed all the way to the end. So um no no kudos kudos to him as well. Now, let's talk about the destroyer. Oh. Because he started. He something. almost destroyed him. Yeah, he almost close. destroyed him yesterday. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was alone. This is probably what was the problem yesterday. Mm. But uh, how do you rate that performance before we listen to him? Uh, Michael Storer, he's he's something special. I mean, Simon, you've raced with uh, the young guys, with these guys, um, you know, and you were a young one once yourself when you turned pro. Michael Storer, what, what I'm intrigued in now is uh, Group Armour, where he's going. Not only would they be excited, but they'd be sort of like saying, hang on, save a few victories yeah. for us. Come down a bit. <laughs> and would they be rewriting? Like next year, he would almost have full say in his race calendar, I'd imagine, like just with the form that he's showing. I'm not sure if he had full say in his race calendar, but obviously they're going to feel like they've hit the jackpot with 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 Stora in this scenario. And he's going through such a purple patch in his career at the moment. Four professional victories, and they've all come in the past eight weeks. Um, and and obviously two Grand Tour stage wins here at at the Vuelta. So I think he's just going to consolidate his his place in that team now. Um, but Mark Maddie on the and the and the management there at, at FDJ would be very very pleased with what they're seeing. Yeah, Mark Matteo's he's 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 got a TV outside his house next to the car, so Going, he can bash on the roof of the car and scream. <laughs> with a fake chant, with yeah, a fake car. just for fun. <laughs> but actually, it's funny what you say because it's Mark Matteo. This is why Michael Story doesn't have a say in his calendar anyway. It's still very much you know. Hey, uh, on apparently the they don't allow Mark Matteo on the team bus, so the riders yeah. don't allow him on the team bus. I've heard that. But before we listen to uh, to Michael Story, you rode in a French team. Tell us what it is for a non-French native speaker to go into a team. FDJ is a very French team. It's not just a French team. It's a very French team. And please don't hold back. <laughs> well, I think at least with FDJ, they have a history of Australian riders. And, and fortunately for Story, he's got Scotson there in the team who's really well established in that organisation now. So I think... Michael's going to be leaning, leaning a lot on, on Miles there for, for some guidance uh, within that team. Um, they have a strong history of Australians. Like I said, you know, they've had great success in years gone by with the likes of McGee, um, Baden Cook, Matt Wilson, Mark Renshaw were all in that team. So they have a familiarity with, with Australian riders. Um, and I don't think that's disappeared because I think it is very much a similar, you know, organisation and structure to what it was sort of 15 years ago or more when those guys were in that team. Um, but listen, he's obviously, you know, he's going to go through some some difficulties. He's going to have to pick up a bit of French. I don't imagine he would speak any French at this stage. Um, he's gone through an, an Australian development team into DSM, which is an English-speaking team. Um, so he's going to have a bit of a cultural shock to go on there because in many ways the French teams are still very traditional in their approaches and, and how they – often how they race and how they approach the sport. But – I think, you know, the results speak for themselves with Stora. So he's going to go in there and he's going to have a bit of freedom to, to go for some results. And, you know, the French teams, they love nothing more than have a rider on the attack up the road. And if he keeps racing how he's raced the last, like I said, two months, he's going to fit in just fine. Yeah. And do you think they'll try and – what's his future, Simon? Is it, is it you know, one-week stage races, Paris-Nice, Tirreno-Adriatico, uh, Dolphin A, or – 
is Mike, can Michael develop into a three-week um, tour rider? Well, the, the fact that he's racing so strong in the third week of what's been a very difficult grand tour gives gives you a lot of confidence to think, well, this, this kid could be a grand tour sort of contender in, in years to come. He's climbing really well, but more impressive again, he just seems to be backing up really well. Only 24 years of age, and he's in his four-season uh, professional. Like, I only turned professional when I was 24, so you kind of think the the base that this, this guy has in the sport already is is outstanding. So Yeah, so there's no – I guess my, my point or question as well is we don't know, do we? Like, even the experts, they can get him in the lab, but really it's the next two, three years they'll, they'll sort out and, and he'll find out what he's capable of doing. Yeah, that's right. And I think you look at a, uh, a guy like Stora and he's, I think he's always delivered really good testing results. But one thing that they can't test in the lab is how you're going to recover and how you're going to perform after three weeks of racing. And now what he's shown us is that he can perform after three weeks and three difficult weeks. So he has all the, all the foundations to, to really go to take his career to a, a whole other level as well. Yeah. And, and before to, we, we listen to him, I mean, maybe a question for you guys, both of you. We know Jai Hinley, Michael Storer, any other rider, they've been through the bike exchange program. At some point, they were uh, they went on training camp national with them, team or, the yep, national yep. team. Like they they've been on the radar of someone like Bike Exchange. And I don't want to hammer Bike Exchange on, but why are they not picking up these riders? Why are these riders like Michael Storer, like Jay Inley, uh, like Jay Vine, are riding in teams that are not Bike Exchange? Why why is that? Well, I'll I'll, I'll give him an opinion. I guess Simon will answer it better than me because you raced for bike exchange but I, I mean they can't get all of them can they and there was always this there's always been this thing from fans saying oh that should be an aussie team every team around the world from its respective nation where it's registered doesn't have you know like dsm they're not a team of 18 yeah. german riders but um, yumbo visma so but if i interrupt here yeah it looks like it's three nuggets that they let go it's three nuggets three golden nuggets that they add a look at before any other teams. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and they and they stick for the hands. Why? I don't know, Simon. Why? Yeah, is there should do bike exchange need to review how they sort of talent scout for some of these riders, or are you know, or well, what what do you think? Well, they obviously didn't. It wasn't intentional that they didn't take these guys. You know, they didn't know that they were going to step up in the way they've stepped up uh, with Jai Hindley and 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 Stora here. And you look at Hindley, Sora, and I think Lucas Hamilton, all very similar age, all were in the sort of bike exchange or green edge sort of development program at that point in time. Bike exchange took the best of those guys at the time, which was Hamilton, which was Lucas Hamilton. Yeah. Um, he was the guy that was performing, you know, most consistently at the highest level as an under 23. So they're the one they took. They obviously can't take everyone out of the development team. Uh, it's just not possible to take that many young guys at any one point in time. But I think what you do have to ask the question is, why have Hindley and Stora stepped up to the level that they have and the guys that went into the bike exchange team haven't really risen to the, to the same mm-hmm. levels? And I think you've probably got to ask the question as well is, you know, they've let riders go who have then sort of stepped up uh, to another level like Jack Haig, for example. He's racing very, very well this season and, and particularly at this, this Vuelta Espana. So he stepped away from the team, continued his progression, whereas other guys have come back to the team. And the classic example, again, who's racing at the Welter is, is Michael Matthews, and he's not performing like he was previously. 
So I think it's not so much about the recruitment, it's about the level that the guys are, are racing with, with, uh, at within the team more so. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, we can't deny um, DSM, everyone will agree on this, they have they have a proven track record yeah. of developing riders. Well, look, They're look one at, of the best. Look at it. what they did with Matthews when he got the green. Yep. What, what they did with Bargid when he got the polka yep, dots. Yep. Uh, you know, there's many others, uh, and, and other the, riders like this. That and, are. Yeah, and the interesting thing with DSM, <laughs> well, it, it sort of leads us into other discussions. There was plenty of talk pre Vuelta that the it wasn't so harmonious. Yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, just in recent times, um, and suddenly, bang! Here they are winning, and now they're. I oh, know they're a great development team. They're doing yeah. everything right. Matt Winston is a great yeah. DS, but so I guess look. Sometimes it goes in cycles. Um, so it will be interesting, though. Bike exchange. I think in the yeah. next couple of seasons to see how they develop. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. You know what? Let's listen to the man of the moment, Michael Storer. Well, Michael, t- take us through the day. That was a, a nice attack. That was a nice try. I guess not the outcome you were expecting, but take us through the day. Yeah, so firstly, is, yeah, aggressive start as usual, and I'm happy I got in the move in the first place with a lot of guys. Unfortunately, the peloton didn't, didn't give us a lot of time. We only had four minutes on the third last line. So then we knew we really need to push the pace. I was hoping some other people would come with me, so I had some company through that valley road, but no one reacted when I uh, pushed the pace. So unfortunately, I was by myself. And then I was also happy I could uh, get get over the second last climb as well, still in front, but heading into that last climb, I knew I probably needed more time than two minutes because it's a long way through that valley road and yeah, there's there's limits to to what what's possible to hold out in front, especially when a lot of teams seem to be interested in chasing me down. So I was a bit unlucky that that they didn't give me the big advantage that I probably needed into that last climb. However, uh, you already have stage victories, and now you have a KM jersey. Yeah. That's a good consolation. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to yeah keep the keep the jersey with in uh, DSM, um, yeah, seeing I was there, it's, yeah, worth picking out the points because, yeah, we want to win the jersey. With you on Saturday? Uh, it doesn't matter who it's with, uh, yeah, it just as a team we want to win this jersey, so it's better if two of us have plenty of points. Well, he's definitely towing the, the, the team line here. I guess he probably prefer him bringing the, the polka dots than, Mate, than he, I, don't, I actually think he's, I don't think I've met <laughs> And uh, a nicer kid, yeah, Gero. He's something <laughs> special. Like he's a unique guy, isn't he? He really is. Um, he's still, when you listen to him speak, and I say it respectfully, but he's like a seventeen-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, that's just you know loving riding his bike and really humble, really quiet. But then get him on the bike, he's off the charts. Absolutely, and and you look at just you. Know, I was watching the the highlights a little bit earlier in the replay of of when he rode away from that breakaway, and he just sort of rode off the front, waited there for a bit. When no one come with him, he just put the hammer down, and he just went for it. Like like you said, he just seems like he's a kid out there enjoying racing his bike, and he's doing it at the absolute highest level. Yeah, yeah, and you're spot on. Actually, he was because he sort of said in that interview. He needed. He wanted three or four guys to go with him. He descended. He descended like a maniac. <laughs> Kino and I were literally leaning on the chairs <laughs> as he was flying down the descent because it was a bit damp. Yeah. But no, it was impressive. Yeah, hundred percent. And I just want him to bring the polka dots, but the red one next year. 
uh, at the Tour de France. Good, That'd it? be good. That would be like nice. I said, you know, yeah. No one has ever won that Porquero Giro. John Trevorrow. I think it's John Trevorrow. <laughs> we were talking the other night when I went on the detour with with the gents. He said, "He's on board with you." He asked to happen. You've won him <laughs> over. He said it. That's good. He That's said, good. <laughs> Christophe Mallet. You know, he's he's a good guy. And I said, and then and then Dan Jones is like, "Don't say but." <laughs> then he said, "No, no, it's all good." He said, "One thing I'm into." I'm I'm on board with him with the polka dots. So there you go. You've got one fan. For yeah, that. good, 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 good. <laughs> Basically, it's because no Australians have ever won in Paris the polka dot. No one has ever won in the whole of history, and we just won this. We're happen. starting a campaign. Exactly. Every other jersey, even the Lantern Rouge, was won by an Australian, but not the polka dot. Who won the Lantern Rouge? I can't remember. Brad, was it Brad McGee? No, no. But the, the first one was way back. There's oh, really? Now. Yeah, it's not Brad McGee. Ah. There's another one way back. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we are moving. Yeah, we're, we're, we're digressing <laughs> a bit. That's okay. Uh, Roglic, Primoz Roglic, yep. pretty confident, pretty chill, pretty. Uh, needs to be a disaster. Yeah, no, he won't. He needs to capitulate. Disaster. Saturday is a tough-looking stage, but he's looking very yeah. rock solid. Let's listen to Primoz Roglic. This is the Queen stage. On paper, it was the Queen stage, but considering how it unfolded compared to yesterday, which one was the Queen stage? It also felt like a Queen stage. Yes, it was hard. So uh, uh, I guess uh, it did, uh, or it felt uh, how it should feel. So uh, yeah, it was a super hard uh, day. Uh, I think especially after uh, yeah yesterday's effort uh, it was today uh, hard for me and uh, yeah. Happy, huh? like uh, that uh, still something was left and uh, I could uh, climb this mountain up. Huh? Were you happy also with the way the other teams uh, rode, like uh, Bahrain or Movistar? Yeah, for sure. Huh? Like uh, we were uh, off of duty, huh? they did it, but uh, in my opinion, we could go more easy. Huh? But <laughs> yeah, it was a hard pace, so uh, yeah, it was uh, again a hard day huh? from, from yeah, where very start till the finish. Happy to know that uh, the big mountains are behind now? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, we, we are all uh, feeling now all these uh, efforts uh, from the last two days. And yeah, also two or three weeks before. So uh, yeah, still I think some uh, super hard stages, stages uh, to come. So yeah. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, uh, yeah, uh, do, do our best and finish it off. Voilà. Voilà. Thank you. Voilà. Looking rock it's... solid. And someone actually, Mick, said, along the dad jokes, he's looking rock solid. Oh, no, <laughs> Mick. Mick, well done. Oh, that's, oh, that's bottom of the barrel, Mick. Come on. <laughs> but Very joke good. aside, he's looking solid. Yeah, he is. He's, um, you know, I, I think we all want to look forward to Simon next year. The Rog, the Pog and Bernal, all three at their very best at the Tour de France next year. Yes, most definitely. There's such a, uh, there's so much depth at the moment in GC racing. When you look at how well Primoz Roglic has raced this welter, the way that Tadej Pogacar was in the, in the Tour de France and, you know, be great to see Bernal, Egon Bernal, with a full force in your Granadiers team uh, back behind him again to, to compete with these guys. So, yeah, I'm already looking forward to next year's Tour de France as well. Just on Ineos, they got their work cut out, haven't they? Yep. Just to, just to <laughs> you know, they, they've lost Rowan Dennis, um, of course, across to Yumbo Visma for two years. They've, and are they, where are they at, actually? They've got Bernal, we know, and he's, he's won the Giro this year, but they were the super team, the super team. 
pretty much for a decade, and now suddenly you've got someone like Pogacar who looks like he can't be beaten. What's your what's your take on Ineos? Well, they're the super team. I think they're still the super team, but what they're missing is that one superstar to finish off all that hard work. And you look at it, like you said, they've they've dominated the past 10 years because they've had numbers who, of guys who are capable of finishing within, within the top 10, but they've also always had the best guy on the road as well, whether that was Wiggins, you know, Froome for a number of years, Garrett Thomas uh, in his moment, had the ability to be able to finish off all that hard work. I think they still have that team to lay that foundation. What they're missing is really someone to step up that's head and shoulders above the rest of the team and head and shoulders above everybody else just to finish off all that hard work. So I think all the ingredients uh, are just about there. They're just missing one key one. So yeah. does, that, does that come from a younger rider? Do they invest more in someone like Sivikov or Theo Gaggenard that's already won the Giro? Do they put all their eggs in that sort of basket instead of going, you know, as well as Bernal, but, you know, the Carapaz and so on? Where do they go for the future? Well, they've got two options, don't they? They, they? they play the money game and they just buy the best guy in, in the peloton at the moment. And I think, you know, Tadej Bogacar is just locked in a very long, lucrative deal with yeah. UAE team members, yeah, so they're not going to get him. <laughs> yeah, they, they missed the boat there. And obviously, at uh, Primoz Roglic, is, I think he's very comfortable. Well, he's looking very happy at, at Jumbo Visma, so they might struggle to, to you know, lure him away. The next thing they do, they sort of go fishing in Colombia for that next big talent coming through. Um, I imagine they have the resources, they have the talent scouts that are that are looking far and wide for that next big talent to come to come along. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, these are the jerseys, and where we are standing right now, uh, Primoz Roglic is in red, Jakobsen is in green. We just saw this. Storer is in the polka dot, and Egan Bernal is in the white jersey. As for the rankings, Primoz Roglic is on top. Enric Mas and Miguel Angel Lopez, they are both second and third, so second step and third step of the podium. Anything else here? Well, fancy Jack well, Haig, of course. Yeah, Jack Haig, what's he behind Lopez? A minute. Uh, he's, he's, he's got some gap to make up. Up. Yeah, I mean, he'll make 30. up some in the TT, I think, mm -hmm. on on Lopez. Um, Actually, Gero, how and is it possible? Do you think for Jack to reach that step on the podium, the third step on the podium? Still, it would be. It, I think it'd be really difficult, and I think Ang Miguel Angel Lopez would have to have an exceptionally bad day um, because I think on paper, if you look at Mass Lopez and Haig, they are all very evenly matched with their time trialing. And I think if you look at their time trialing results. In each time trial that they competed against each other in, they were very, very evenly evenly matched. I think they probably all have to be a little bit fearful of Bernal and what he can potentially do from, from fifth place because I think he's the one that has the capability of, of pulling out something very exceptional in a final time trial and maybe moving his way up to the podium. Yeah, yeah that's Absolutely. true. That's true. Well, he's, he's certainly breathing down Jack's yeah. neck uh, now for fourth even. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Let's have a look at the stage uh, tonight and what's happening on the Vuelta. This is the profile of the stage. Uh, what do you make of this, Michael? Yeah, 191 kilometres. One Category 3, two Category 2s early on and then not much else. It's got breakaway written all over it, hasn't it, Gero? I think it's that, that early part of the stage. It just is perfectly set up for a, a pretty big group of riders to go clear. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be some very tight legs in the peloton by this point in the race. And I think a lot of guys would be very nervous about that Category 3 straight into a Category 2 climb in the opening section of the race. Because if you get distance there and they continue to race, and quite often happens, it might take you know 50 or 60 kilometres from the breakaway to establish 
um, on, a, on a day that's really marked for a breakaway like this one. So if you're at the back and the peloton is racing full gas, it's impossible to, to come back until the peloton sit up again. So I think there'll be a lot of nervous guys about just surviving today's stage. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, time cut. Let's talk about uh, the other race that's happening in Spain yes. at the minute. And stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned because we are going to play probably one of the best interviews it's I've pretty good. come across. This is it's pretty, pretty good. good. It's yep. pretty, pretty relaxed, pretty nice. Uh, but the Seratizit Challenge by La Vuelta. Shall we have a look at the highlights of the stage yesterday? Look at that. The riders behind her are beaten. Final 300 meters. Still in that aero position, trying to give all that she has on the finish line. There she is, Marlene Royce, the Swiss national champion. She was the strongest in that breakaway of four, and she shows it by her first road race win. Fantastic win there by Marlene Royce. And she has got a fantastic fantastic margin uh, Elisa Bosomo we have Otto Pecky the Belgian champion still in this group sprinting for a top 10 Elisa Bosomo then Anna Henderson in 5th place That was the uh, Sarah Tizit challenge. Uh, don't saw the, the women's welter. We can, we can yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Marlene Roissat. Yeah, <laughs> this was an awesome ride, and she she was second in the individual TT at the Olympics. She was second in the world TT last year. Second and a stage win at the Simac Ladies Tour. So she's in great form. Yeah. She um, wasn't too sure if she could ride here. Yeah, though. but the, the story isn't that really at all. As good as she is, the story yeah. is the interview. Let's listen to this interview with Marlene Reusser. Congrats for your victory. How do you feel with this uh, result? Uh, very tired, very happy. This was the last I expected this morning. I never thought I would win any stage here. <laughs> What has been the main point or the key of this stage? Yeah, actually, I think I'm so tired. I, I thought I'm so tired of Holland, of Simac Ladies Tour. I was two days in school yesterday, the whole time, the whole day travel. And I thought we have a rest day today. It starts tomorrow. I had it wrong in my head. So I'm, I was like, yeah, I can do whatever. So I just thought I go for an attack, for a breakaway. And then, yeah. I just pedaled a lot and we kept away and I felt the others don't have that much so I just tried to go and it worked out and I didn't want to sprint against Corinne Riviera so I tried my luck and it worked out it's incredible actually yeah now I'm in front but it was not my dream to have a leader's jersey again <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah it's nice but uh, also I think I'm not the fastest tomorrow I'm not uh, yeah let's see it's not an objective for you uh, I think I'm really happy to have won a stage I have <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> let's see okay thank you for thank you and congrats thank you <laughs> Isn't this just the best interview? Ever? Best interview all year. <laughs> hey, Gero, have you ever have you ever gone to a race? You know, jumped on the flight, got off thinking, oh yeah, I've got a rest day, and then the team says, no, no, mate, you're racing tomorrow, and win the stage. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, no, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not with a stage win after that. But um, yeah, just a fantastic interview. She was just so happy, and I think she was just so surprised with that result, and obviously a fantastic time trialer. So. No surprise when she jumps away like that and, and gets a bit of space, 
that she can go all the way to the line. So, yeah, really pleased for, for her and that result. Yeah, yeah. And, and, get, and guess what? The race is on SBS. It is. You can and watch it on SBS. Yeah, on demand tonight, Couch Peloton, 10 past 7 Australian Eastern. So, really good timing. Leads you nicely into stage 19 of La Vuelta. It's actually a 7-kilometre uphill individual TT. Remember, she was silver medal at the Olympics, silver last year in the ITT. She she says she's not going to go for it. She will. And Van Vluten's in the race. Spratty has made her come back to racing yeah. after getting married. Yeah, absolutely. by the way, congratulations, <laughs> um, Amanda Spratt and your partner. Um, but no, no. You know what I love about this though, guys. Genuinely, it's what we're seeing from the the women is just this raw energy, yeah. and it's it's growing in momentum. As in, as in the the racing scene, we've got the women's tour next year, and Gerard, I was saying to Christoph, I can't wait. I hope we're on the ground because the access will be so much easier than the men's teams. And you know this, Gerard, from from being at the highest possible level, there's a lot of barriers we have to get through sometimes to get interviews and the crowds and everything. But it's I'm just loving that raw energy from the women. Yeah, and they're all so excited about the prospect of, of racing the Tour de France Femme next year mm. as well. It's directly off the back of the Tour de France as we know it, so they have their own sort of time slot. The the world sort of cycling, the world's attention was is on cycling at that point in time. Um, so I think the the women's sport is just going from strength to strength, and it's and it's so great to see, like you said, so much raw energy and so much excitement about what's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no matter if we're there or not, it will be on SBS. So this is the good thing. Yeah, and, and you know what? We talk about your spot on having their own time slot, as they should. But what I also didn't realise, I, I did, I just don't think I thought about it. Paris-Roubaix this year, yeah. the women race on Saturday. Yep. Not the same day as the men, which I think is even better. You should read the guide. I know, oh, I should read the guide. <laughs> yeah, so the women race read Saturday, the men race Sunday. No, but it's excellent. It's good. Yeah, um, fantastic. Rather than, a, you know, like Flanders, and Flanders have done some great things for, for women cycling, but... You only see the last yeah. 20 minutes of the race. Oh, it's either before or after. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. absolutely agree. So, no, no, it'll be wall-to-wall coverage. Yep. Excellent. I think this is it for today. Nothing I else? think so. Looking down at my notes. What no. is the stage tonight? Oh, stage tonight. 10.50 on the tracker. 10.50 on the tracker. 11 o'clock on Viceland and on demand. Gero, can you tip a winner for us, mate? No, not at all. I haven't even looked what tonight's stage is, actually. After these two gigs of Queen stages back-to-back, I haven't even uh, looked too far ahead. It's a break. It's, yeah. it's a break's going to win. Yeah. Someone from the break. Maybe 100%. an Aussie. Chris Hamilton. I like that. Yeah. I'll go with Hamo. Yeah. I think Chris Hamilton. Fine. He was third a couple of stages ago, wasn't he, Chris? Yes. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> he's, he's up. I good think shape. he's up. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 100%. Anyway, thank you, uh, Gerald. Thank you, guys. Thanks, mate. Thank See you, you soon. Thank you very much. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. And uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, uh, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Next appointment with us is tomorrow, same place, same time. But until then, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsors with La Vuelta is all about climbing. So why not try Geraint Thomas's athlete workout? Fun is flying uphill. A great pillar of any climbing is muscular endurance, and believe me when I say that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my mates the fitness I've been able to build at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and I'll see you on there soon. Right on.